0: Welcome to Trial Lawyer Review, a podcast for and about trial lawyers. We will tell the stories about trial lawyers who go to battle every day in courtrooms throughout the United States for injury victims. This is about their stories and their practices. Hello everyone. I'm Jason Lazarus, your host for Trial Lawyer Review. Thank you for tuning in today for another episode. Trial Lawyer View is brought to you by Synergy Settlement Services. In full disclosure, I'm not a professional podcaster. Instead, my day job is Chief Executive Officer of Synergy Settlement Services. Synergy allows trial lawyers to focus on what they do best by handling the difficult issues that arise at settlement, like troublesome lien resolution issues, Medicare secondary payer compliance, government benefit preservation techniques, in complex settlement planning. Joining me today on Ken Hardison, he's a seasoned trial lawyer and a counsel with Hardison and Cochran in Raleigh, North Carolina. His law practice focuses on representing those who have suffered catastrophic personal injuries. He's been recognized in AJ's Top 100 Trial Lawyers 2021, Best Law Firm U.S. News, Mass Tort Trial Lawyers Top 25, Million Dollar Advocates Forum and recognized by Best Lawyers in 2021. He's got over 30 years legal experience and has personally grown and sold two seven-figure law firms. He's the author of numerous best-selling books, such as Systematic Marketing, Under Promise Over Deliver, and his latest book, Powerful Online Legal Marketing. And if that's not enough, he's also the founder of Powerful Innovative Legal Marketing and Management Association, known as PILMA. Uh, he is the host of the Grow Your Law Firm podcast and recently had me on as a guest. And I thought he would be a great guest on Trial Lawyer Review to help give his views and thoughts on building law firms and marketing because he is he is certainly uh, a recognized guru in that. So welcome, Ken.
1: Oh, thank you, thank you
0: very much. So before, before we get too much into the law side, I know, um, from our past conversation, that you're uh, you're a pretty avid golfer and you uh, love being on the water. That you're an avid fisherman. What is it about those? Is that kind of an escape for you to get away from the rigors of, of the practice of law and the business world?
1: Yeah, I think I think I think the golf side is the competitiveness in me, because uh, it's something I have never mastered, and I don't think I ever will. But uh, I never give up. And the, the, the being around the water and fishing is very calming to me. So, yeah, it's uh, one thing about the golf course, too. You know, I, I usually cut my phone off. So I don't, I got like four hours where I don't have anybody pinging me uh, and I could just concentrate on something else. And I do some of my best thinking on the beach. I really do. Some of my best ideas are either in the shower or on the beach.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, it's so rare that we get a break these days from the barrage of emails, Teams messages, text messages, all that LinkedIn notifications. So I I'm a cyclist and I, I love the solitude of that. I don't look at my phone, can't. And I really don't think about much of anything while it's really hard. And then when it gets a little easier, sometimes you you, you can think through some problems. And I uh, grew up surfing, too. And, still still surf and I love I love being out on the water I mean there there is some serenity and calm especially when you paddle out first thing in the morning when the when when Sun uh, is coming up and it's such a beautiful thing to be out on the water and that to me is, is incredibly calming love love that uh, so I uh, curious what was the single biggest reason for you making the practice of law your career and ultimately becoming a trial lawyer
1: okay uh- Well, I was raised really poor, and I saw uh, my dad got taken advantage of several times. Uh, And I've seen other people that just just didn't have the the money or the know-how and really got taken advantage of by banks and corporations, car dealerships, different things. And I just said you know I, I wanted I knew two things I wanted to help people and I wanted to have my own business I didn't want to work for somebody the rest of my life and uh, I think that was it I mean I think that was the big deal I mean uh, I mean I, I, I told about being a CPA but I, I took some courses in college and I said this is this is not for me I mean I like numbers but pretty boring work I mean I, I mean I hate to say it but it, it, for me it is anyway I like a little bit more action going on
0: well, you're you are know, not alone uh, in in terms of the desire to help people. That seems to be a pretty common theme of all the trial lawyers I've talked to is that that desire. And I know for me that was really what drove me in getting into what what I do today and and becoming a lawyer in the first place. It's it's really kind of a a, a privilege and an honor that we get to to be part of. You know helping someone through something that typically is pretty life-changing for them and uh, you know in in some instances um you know permanent disability as a result so it's a pretty uh, pretty big responsibility we have in helping those people and uh, take that very seriously but do love that i'm in a business today where we get to help people every day and be part of working with trial lawyers to, to hopefully make that person's life a little bit better after they've suffered that injury. Yeah, you know, in, um, in doing my research for the podcast, um, I, I came across you talking a bit uh, about the idea of practicing law versus being in the law business. And um, having worked with a lot of law firms over the last 20 years, uh, uh, I think that that's a pretty interesting concept because the idea of looking at ROI and how you market and your systems and processes, how you hire, how you manage staff, the case management you use, cash flow in the law firm, KPIs, all of that stuff, the, the business of law. I know there was nothing that I got in law school about that. I'm just curious about how, how you became a student of that and what you feel are the single most important things for law firms to, to be focused on as they're growing their practices as it relates to those kinds of issues?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the first 10 or 12 years I was just doing like everybody else and I was working myself to death and working 60, 80 hour weeks and I was making a really good living. I'm not gonna lie about it, you know, but uh, it was killing me in the process. and. Uh, I don't know, I just felt like there was a better way. And and so uh, I read this uh, book called, uh, who was it by, it was called E-Myth by Michael Gerber. And, and, and the deal is, and, and so I've had a lot of these conversations with lawyers, you know, it's a profession, it's not a business, but it is a profession and an honorable profession and I'm proud of it. And I cherish my license and I cherish my ability to help people. But it's also a business because you've got families to feed uh, and you got your own family to feed and look at your kids and your whatever, whoever your loved ones is, whatever, who it might be. So the deal is you got to decide, you know, if you own your law firm, are you going to, are you going to be, if you want to be a tri- you got to do what you have a passion for or what your strengths are. And I would tell somebody out there, listen, uh, do the way I did it. It's not the ideal for everybody, but, but the deal is you either got to find somebody that can run it like a business for you and let you go try your cases and, and be a technician and go help people, or either you got to work more on the business, which means you got to develop these processes, procedures, and get people and train and look at and figure out how to run it like a business. I'm not saying you've got to be the one to do it, but you've got to have somebody to do it. Uh, you know, I still tried cases up to probably the last maybe three years before I sold out first time and uh, because I really did hate to give it up but but the deal was uh, my job as part of being a leader was I had to start seeing the future the big picture and helping other people create leaders in the firm because we got bigger and bigger and bigger you know we went like from five years I went from like one two lawyers three staff to like 13 lawyers 47 staff and when you have that much growth you've got to have some leaders involved but I, I would tell lawyers you know that's the big deal decide you know what you want to do you want a, the law firm to work for you you not work for it okay if you got to work for the law firm you might as well just go get a job working for some big litigation firm and you'll probably you probably make just as much money if you're not a good business person and don't care about it and probably have a lot less headaches because you don't have to take it home with you you know but uh, i love owning my own business and uh you know, I knew that from a young age that I did not want to work for somebody else the rest of my life because uh, I started working when I was 10 years old. I, I grew up pretty poor and, and um, just always had to work and I just, you know, I didn't mind working for other people but I w- I'd rather be the boss,
0: you know. Well, it's great advice, you know, surrounding yourself with great people who also maybe have skill sets that you don't have it yeah. is incredibly important. I mean, i, I found that you know, in, in in synergy, that you know, you could be the greatest person in terms of settlement services, you yourself, but you also need those people around you who who do the things that you don't want to do, finance and accounting, you know, making sure customer service is is up to par, making sure that the culture is is maintained and that people know the purpose of the company and what you're, what you're striving to deliver to, to the clients you work with. I mean, all of that is, is so, so essential. And it, it you know, they, there's nothing that really teaches y'all that you you find it out, uh, through process of trial and error. So it's, it's great that you give other lawyers that kind of framework and background so that they can implement that in, in their practices. Yeah. now
1: I enjoy it. I mean, like I said, I mean, you got to figure out what your strengths are and what usually what your strengths are what you have a passion for. I mean, that's just the way the world works. And, like, like I know how to do management, but I hate management. So I've always really hired really good managers, I, I, and I know nothing about technology, so I always hired really good technology people. And, and I'll be honest with you, I want the best trial lawyer. I, I was, I'd was i say I was a B+. Plus. I, I tried probably 150 jury cases, but I was no uh, F. Lee Bailey... Uh, uh, you know, Lanier or, or, or somebody like that hitting multi-billion dollar verdicts. Uh, I thought I was pretty good at, in mediation, but I really felt like my big strength was I was a good leader and I was a good visionary and I could see the big picture. And I love uh, coaching people up and mentoring lawyers. And so I, I tend to gravitate towards that. That's what made me happy because that's what life is about, being happy. I mean, money. Money itself is not going to make you ha- happy. Money gives you the freedom to do things that do make you happy, but ha- money itself it does not make you happy. I learned that uh, probably later than I should have in life, uh, because, like I said, I told you on my podcast, I make. I don't make near the money I made when I practiced law, uh, but my stress level is about 98% less and I really love what I do. I love helping lawyers. Uh, I can talk this stuff, marketing management all day long. I mean, I read books on it all the time. I just read a book this weekend, uh, John Maxwell, uh, five levels of leadership. And I just thought, you know, I wish I'd read that 30 years ago, uh, or had something like that. I mean, I could, have, I could have did it a lot faster. I could have grew it a lot faster than I did, but, uh, yeah, I mean you know, uh, running a business is not for everyone. But uh, if you got a business, then you—I mean—if you got a law firm and you, you own it, you need to run it like a business, and you can still be a profession and have honor. You do know, you know. I mean, I did a lot of marketing, but I never did the stuff that. And I did a lot of PI work, but I never did the stuff with the big checks. And, I, and it works. Let me say this: I have, and I have no problem with people doing it. I did more of an educational-based market because I, f- I felt like that got me the type of clients I wanted, which were clients that weren't greedy, but really were more about wanting justice or wanting not to get screwed over. You know what I'm saying? They, did, they didn't know, They did they, know. Those like those people I was talking about when I was young. They weren't really out to get something for nothing, but they just didn't want to get taken taken advantage of and they didn't know how to deal with it that was the kind of clients i always were looking for because they were the best type of clients uh you could all most of the time feel fulfill their expectations because they didn't have unrealistic ones and so that was kind of my my deal and i probably could have signed up a lot more cases if i'd got up you know and, and hollered and shouted and and, and and held up the big checks and all that because that does work Just not my style, you know. I just didn't feel comfortable with it, uh, you know. Uh, But I've got a lot of PILMA members that do that, and they're very successful, you know, and it don't bother them. And I'm good with it. I don't judge. I mean, you know what I'm saying? you got to do what you – I I, I look at it this way. Until you start paying my bills, I really don't care what you think about what I do, you know, because i got to do what I feel comfortable with, even though I wouldn't do it. You know, I don't judge people, you know. I think every man's got his own way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I heard you talk about um, uh, when I again doing some research on on all this for the podcast, I heard you talk about going from 20 cases a month to 120 cases a month in 60 days by going on TV and how you your law firm went from two lawyers and three staff in 1996 to six years later, 13 lawyers and 47 staff what what drove that kind of growth and how did you manage it all yeah well
1: i didn't do a very good job to start with cuz when that happened i mean we almost imploded cuz we couldn't handle it i mean you go from 20 to 120 you're going to get a lot start getting a lot of complaints and so we had to shut off the tv for a couple months hire some people trade some people i got had to get another manager in but i think i think the deal was when i did it the market wasn't saturated and we were really I think we we had core values back then when lawyers didn't know what, that, what I was even talking about. Uh, we, you know, we, we were very uh, we set it up like a business. We ran it. I had an office manager. We had uh, systems in place after that first year because I mean we had to. And so I had a I had the good fortune of bringing in a guy that was ret- retired IBM uh, Dave Favor and uh, his. Before him, I had another lady, uh, Cheryl Leon, and she was really good on systems. He was good on management. And they really coached me up and really gave me a lot of support, a lot smarter than I was. And I think that had a lot to do with it. And then another thing is I just very, uh, as I said before, very competitive. And uh, I just went for the, I mean, I poured all my money. I just took enough to live, a, a small salary. I poured all the profits back in it for like five years in a row. And so when you do that, you know, I was looking at the big picture. We just had some exponential growth. And we did really good client service. We got a lot of referrals. We did a good quality work. Uh, we won a meal even though we were doing a volume. Uh, we we treated every case like it was going to trial. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, probably my net wasn't as good as some lawyers because we did, we probably had more staff per, less clients per staff person and lawyer, and we had we did a lot, probably extra work up front. But I felt like in the long run, and I think it's what I said under promise and over delivering in my book, I think it made a difference in the, in the end. That we, uh, even though at the end of it, when I sold it, we were spending $2 million a year on advertising, we were still getting over 40% of our cases from old clients, which is remarkable. It's not remarkable if you, it's the only way you get your business, but when you're spending two million and you still get forty percent of your business from referrals small clients, that, that says a lot.
0: Yeah. So you you mentioned two things I wanted to, to drill down on a little bit. You mentioned core values, and that that sort of sh- strikes a note with me because you know our our business and culture really is is all driven by. Our corporate values, which are professionalism, respect, integrity, dedication, empathy, uh, which, you know, dealing with who we deal with and what we have to deal with, I, I always felt like having that strong uh, backbone was really important. Um, I did notice on the Pilma website that, that you guys had your core values resuscitated. I've really not seen that too much in. In a law practice um i'm curious you know how you use that in in your practice um and you, you kind of mentioned that that sort of fueled your growth to some extent
1: yeah so i mean i think they're so in, important because if you if you use them the way you're supposed to uh i mean that's your non-negotiables i mean your core values and and dave favored the guy from ibm i was saying he's taught me this and i'll never forget it it's been my gosh 30 years ago he said, uh, Hitler had core value. I said, hell, I didn't know you. I said, he was a beast. He said, no, he believed, he was non negotiable. He believed what he believed, and, he, and everything he did surrounded itself for that core value. Even though it might be a bad one, he had one. And so it's whatever yours are. They can be good or bad. Ours was, and so what you want to do is you want to hire people that align their core values align with your firms and your firm's going to be your core values really i mean really uh you know because it's like culture you've got it whether you create it or not <coughs> excuse me you've got it you've got a culture you've got but so i think it's like the guiding light i mean if you know what your core values are anybody in the firm if they got a decision to make all they have to do is go back to your core values is this a line what my decision needs to align with my core values and then the people you hire, they need to align with your values. need to align with your core values, you know, and then it's, it it permeates everything you do from the opening of the file to the client service, to closing the file, to how you settle the case, how you try the case, the client service. I mean, yeah, I had it uh, in both of my law firms that I started and uh, you know, and, you know, client service was a big one. I mean, yeah, we had one of said, uh I had one that says, uh, you know, we live by the golden rule. We treat people the way we want to be treated. I mean that was my first one, been my first law firm. Uh Pillman's are a little different. Uh, I actually had help with those from our staff. I wanted them to be involved in it. And so we we did a retreat and worked on that and worked out good.
0: So uh I Drilling down again on what you were talking about, about the growth and you're spending a lot of money on advertising and I'm assuming it was part of a, a broader marketing effort. Um, I know from what you said, you, you sold the law firm in 2010 um, and that you were doing a lot of different things and some some cost a lot of money, some didn't cost a lot of money. What What did you figure out were the top three most effective marketing strategies um from that experience and how would that help other law firms that are trying to scale up yeah
1: so most lawyers can't afford tv and i tell most of my people that come to me if you can't get in the top three in your market don't spend the money uh so that's always going to be number one for at least for the foreseeable future even though it's getting saturated uh internet uh, I would say would be number one. Number two would be getting referrals from past clients, uh, and there's so many things you can do to, to do that. Um, you know, I've I've, ta- I've taught whole webinars on on nothing but just how to get referrals from clients, how to get referrals from doctors, how to get referrals from other lawyers. I mean, there's three different ways to get referrals. Uh, I found that the ones from your past clients I like the best because. You don't have to pay a referral fee, and they're not expecting quid pro quo, like the doctors are, uh, which is unethical and you can't do anyway. You're not supposed to. Um, And you don't have to share your fee with them. And, you know, and then I guess, uh, so yeah, I mean, TV, internet, then referrals, and the internet's got four or five facets. You got LSA ads, which most lawyers don't even know about yet, but local service ads. You got the Google, the, the Maps, which is the Google Local. You got the PPC, PPP, pay-per-click, and then you got SEO. So you've got you know four or five different ways to get on there, and that's just with Google. That's not talking about Bing or Yahoo or the other ones. Uh, but, but you know, and then fourth, if you take out TV, I would say videos with, mixed in with social media not just social media per se, but videos. And I'm not talking about high production. I'm talking about uh, using your cell phone. That's all you got to do. I mean, if you got a good quality iPhone or, or or Android that's got a good camera on, HD camera, buy you a $50 mic, stick it in there, get you a $15 tripod, and just get in some good lights, you can knock it out, you know. But knowing how to do it is the big deal, right? I mean, we, anybody could do it, but then you got. And that's some of the stuff we teach at Pilma. Uh, it's how to get on the first page of Google. How to how to how to keep your ROI down. You know, I preached that if you every dollar you spend on marketing, you should get six dollars back. Or don't you need to either fix it or either quit it? You know, within like the first ninety days, six months. Um, you know, and then just having the infrastructure. I mean, here's the three barriers of growth. Uh, number one is leadership, which is people. You got to have, you know, no great business of any kind was ever built on the back of just average people. You got to have good leaders. Uh, you know, you need a leader for about, every, not a manager, but a leader for about every eight people in your business. Uh, you know, and then you got to have a good infrastructure, which is processes, systems, you know. Uh, and, and then lastly, of course, you got to have effective marketing. And that's where most lawyers really fail because they just uh, throw something out there, and think people are going to come, and that's not the truth. You've got to stand out from the competition. You got to figure out uh, what it is. You got to answer two questions. The first question is, do I need a lawyer? The second question is, why should I pick you over all the other law firms out there? And if you can't if you can't answer those two questions with your marketing, then you, you're you're wasting probably fifty percent of your budget. Uh, and you gotta know where to go. You gotta send it to the right people. I mean, you know, uh, saw this lawyer try to get uh, hip replacement cases, you know, for the steel rods and things. And he spent $100,000 in this market. And he couldn't get no case. He couldn't understand, well, that product, that company never sold them in North Carolina. So he he wasted the money. He didn't do his research. He was marketing to the wrong people, right? He was in the wrong state. Uh, same thing, I mean, you know, if you plan to get a bunch of workers' comp cases, I don't think you're gonna get it at the country club. You know, you're gonna have to go. You have to be going to where the people are that work in the factories, you know, uh, and put your message to where they go, where they eat, you know, uh, where they eat, where they, what radio they listen to, what TV programs they watch, you know, what, what do they read, what kind of social media do they look at, you know depends on what age you're going from. You know, you really got to look at who your ideal client is and then figure out how can I get to that, get my message in front of that person and then answer those two questions, you know. Um, And then you got to do a great job once you get the case, you know. And and then the last thing is what 90% of lawyers forget is, and I think that's why we were so effective in growing so fast, is people so worried about, trying to convince people that don't know them to hire them, that they forget about getting referrals from the people that know them, like them, love them, and trust them. And, and creating systems and processes to get those people to refer you new cases because referrals, what I've found over the years, they're the better cases and the people that, that are referred to you, you don't have to sell them or you don't have to convince them anything. They've already been sold by whoever referred them. You know, it's, and that's in any business. I don't, that's just not legal. That's, somebody refers a lawyer to you to do your work. You, it's easy. It's just a matter. All they want to know is how much it costs and when can we start. But if they come in cold off a website or, or off a direct mail piece, they got a hundred thousand questions and not, you know, I would think, I don't know, but I, I would think that the way it would be. Um,
0: but yeah. yeah. I mean, For us, for sure. You know, I mean, having another trial lawyer say, Hey, you know, you're having a problem with an Aricept, then you need to call Synergy. They did a great job for me. That, that's that's obviously for us the the number one way that we we derive business is that word of mouth marketing from someone that's worked with us and and you know testimonials and and all that good stuff. And and I'm I, I'm a you know pretty avid student of the the marketing side and heavily involved with our brand. So, I mean, we've talked a little bit already about the, the marketing stuff, and I know you're you're kind of referred to as a millionaire maker in terms of helping law firms double, triple, uh, what they are doing through uh, Pilma. Can you talk, because we, we really haven't talked about this, what is Pilma, just so that the listeners understand better yeah. what that is?
1: Well, it's, it's basically a, a Organization association used to be personal injury, and then we, we had other lawyers come in. I changed it, I'm thinking about changing it back to personal injury, legal marketing, and management association. But so basically, uh, we just I, I, I mean, our tagline is we help grow law firms, and we do it through educational. Uh, and, and so we we have a monthly magazine that goes out to each member, we have a listserv where people get on there and talk to each other and ask about vendors, you know, to say. How about Synergy? Anybody use Synergy? I've got this sling stuff, you know, or they refer cases to each other. Uh, then we have a monthly t- intake training because I've found that this is another place where most lawyers really fail at, uh, although they don't want to admit it, is that they, they're probably losing 20 to 30 percent of the business they could be getting just by not training their people and doing some really good work on intake and holding people accountable of getting cases signed up. And then we also do a, uh, we do a couple webinars a month. Uh, like I'm doing one this week on how to set up your intake center, intake uh, personnel, how to hire them, how to train them, what equipment you need, and I, and I show them that if you could just hire one person, pay them like thirty, forty thousand dollars a year, they're going to help you sign up at least one to two more cases a month. So you, it's not an expense; it's it's going to triple. Their investment is going to triple, quadruple by having that one person that's dedicated and knows how to convert and knows how to close uh, somebody on the phone or either get them into the lawyer and warm them up and let the lawyer do the close. Uh, and then we also, um, I'm trying to think of everything we do. I do a monthly Q&A where they can come in and ask me questions. We do a monthly roundtable session uh with just the marketing assistants and directors of law firms then we have another round table with just the management people and we go do that we do that every month um uh, and i know we got some other features we also put on events we do a big super summit we're doing that we have four or five hundred lawyers come across the country well from australia canada across the country and we it's like three and a half days we got like 40 Speakers, half of them are lawyers, and they're sharing their secrets. Uh, also, do internet boot camp once a year. We just did that, um, and then I have a second deal, which is the mastermind, which I'm the proudest of. Uh, and then we got a bunch of training modules inside. Uh, we got a we got a member login, and I've got all these past webinars and training sessions. You know, step by step process of what you need to do. Grab the low hanging fruit. This is what you need to do next kind of like a roadmap and then we have another uh membership level called masterminds and actually in masterminds i have three levels of masterminds for lawyers doing under two million lawyers doing two to ten million and then lawyers doing over ten million because believe it or not even the guys that are doing over ten million they still want to get bigger and plus they got a lot of different problems than the the lawyers that are doing zero to two million they got a lot more uh, management problems much more if they're doing over 10 million, they figured out how to market usually. They just don't know how to handle, the, uh, you know, hiring, firing, managing KPIs. You know, how can I get, you know, you would think that the costs, would, your margins would go up, but really when you get bigger, they can go down because of the complexity and waste, uh, you know, and not having things streamlined. Uh, so yeah, that's my favorite one and that one we we meet and have round tables in and live every three or four months and then we have monthly Zoom meetings. I bring in speakers, I do some teachings, um Yeah, it's uh and then they get all the other regular PIMA membership deals and we we uh yeah.
0: sounds like it's a lot of thought leadership, business yeah. development, just targeted and marketing targeted at law firms i'm curious because you know you um you talked about something that i was going to ask you about which were the top three things that hinder law firms from growing but maybe we flip that around what are three things that law firms probably aren't doing today that can help them grow okay
1: well number one is getting the right message uh and then number two is everybody I, i you know i used i don't do it now i used to do a lot of consulting like fly out to somebody's law firm spend two or three days and do a you know but every every law firm I ever went to uh i would do like four or five ghost calls where i would record i would get somebody to call or record out like a new potential new client and i every law firm i ever went to in the last 10 years nobody got over three out of five of them right so that's telling me i mean in 10 years was the best they did. And and, and I let them listen. And they said, oh, we sign up every case we want. And I let them listen to their staff, and they would get physically sick. And that's why we do the monthly training, intake trainings. Now I got this lady, she called her the the phone sales doctor, Chris Mullen. me and her wrote a book together. That's another one of our books on uh, how to convert new callers into clients. And I wrote a book with her. I thought she was so good, and she she does our training because I think she's probably better at it than I am. Um, but there's always leakage. That's where I could always go in there and and, and make lawyers more money just by tweaking that, showing them how to train them and, you know, and and holding them accountable and, and, and role playing and just, uh, different things for different law firms. And then probably the third thing is really if they would hire the right people instead of. Just be in reactionary, be more proactive and take your time hiring people and really try to get A players. And which, that's a big challenge right now because nobody wants to work. But if you can find an A or A-plus player, even if you got to pay them 50% more than the going market, hire them because here's the deal. They're going to work three times, put out three times more work than the average B player. And so even though, you see what I'm saying? So you can pay one and a half times, but you'll get three times as much. So you still you're still great ROI. And this is not me just thinking this. This is, studies have been done on this. I'm also a certified scaling up coach with Burn Harnish, uh, Scaling Up, and the Rockefeller Habits, and they've done studies. I mean, you know, they they he preaches this, you know, uh, and, and what the cost of a bad hire could be, and then when you get them, you know, you gotta you gotta keep them. And doing the things, I don't have time today to talk about it, but there's a lot of things you can do to keep them. I will say this, money's not the number one reason people quit. Uh, not feeling appreciated and not being affirmed. The top two, and then along with, they hate their, bo- their, immediate, their immediate bosses of ass, basically, uh, you know, whoever it might be. So, okay. yeah, I mean, but there's ways to do that. I mean, there's, uh, there's books and books and books on, uh, you know, and you want team players. You know, uh, you know. Uh, I would suggest everybody out there read the Five Dysfunctions of a, a Team by Pat Lencioni.
0: Yeah, Lencioni's great.
1: Yeah, I would. I would really. That that's an eye-opening book, and I get all my staff to read it too.
0: I really would. Yeah, Ideal Team Player is an excellent book, and I'm I'm, very heavily involved in our culture here because you know it again, being a mission-based business, I, I want to make sure that we are finding people that are passionate about helping other people because that's what we do. And and like you've talked about, all those things you've talked about, creating systems to support people so that they, you know, find synergy to be the best place to work, make make it, you know, it's still work, right? So, you know, obviously the, the, that that's just doesn't go away. But you know, making sure that people have what they need, get the support they need, get the recognition that they uh, they they need and crave are important aspects to me of making sure that we provide for our immediate family as much as we provide for, you know, all those that we serve, you know, because first people we serve is, are, are all the team members here. And we're very lucky to have an incredible team of experts, which, you know, I think that that's so critical for, any business that wants to grow is, is having the right culture, having the right values, having the right team around you. And these are all things that you've, you've been talking about emphasizing and really, um, you know, it it seems to be overlooked a lot. Um, it is is. in in legal practice.
1: Yeah. In legal practice, most people who join PILMA, be honest with you, 90% that join PILMA to start with, they join because they want more cases and we got this guarantee. If you don't grow your practice 25% first year, you know you get a whole another year free all yeah. of free. I mean, you know, and uh, but then once they get in it and they do grow, then they start seeing other issues, and then they won't help with, you know, how, how am I going to manage all this? You know, I mean, look at this. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's getting too big. I can't handle it, and that's when you got to have the processes, the systems, the software. What reports, the KPIs, you know, you got to be looking at the right numbers and things like that. You got to watch your cash flow. I mean, you know, I I do a whole teaching on nothing but cash flow and and, and how to increase it without borrowing money, you know. But that's a whole other deal. Like I said, I I told you the other day when I was doing your stuff, I could talk about this stuff for for
0: hours on hours. Uh, I just love it. You know, you can tell. I mean, I do. Yeah, well. And that's what's, you know, typically drives a, a good business is someone that at the top who loves what they do. Um, I wanted to ask you something because I heard you talk about this and I, I think you talked about there being three different phases of legal marketing. Um, yeah. And and I, I was curious if you could talk about what they are and which phase law firms typically do the poorest job at.
1: Yeah. So in my book, Under Promise Over Deliver, what I say is like there's three phases of marketing before representation, which is what all lawyers try to do with the ads and the different things. And and then during representation, you should be really uh, working on your clients there and giving them great service so that they're going to refer you people, you know, and giving top quality service and all this and and turn them into raving fans. Probably fifty percent of law firms do that. Okay, but then the third phase is after representation, and here's where I'd say eighty to ninety percent of law firms fail. They they just assume because they did a great job, <coughs> and they're heroes, that these people will will just refer them cases, and that's just not true. And and, and it takes more than just asking for it. You got to say top of mind awareness, and then things like newsletters, birthday cards, greeting cards. Um, you know, I, I do this thing called the uh, Client uh, Advisory Board. I do a thing called the Client uh, Appreciation Festival. I, do, I used to do so many things to really stay in front of those people um, and, and give them and teach them. You can teach them how to get you referrals and do it in such a way that uh, it, it's not even you asking for it. They're doing it because they want to help a friend. If you're a good lawyer, then they need to help their friends that are in trouble or, 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 or been hurt or injured or whatever. And what better way than to refer you who did a great job, right? Uh, but it's just, you know, it's like I, I do the books. I'm big on educational marketing. I do these consumer books. I give every client two or three books at the beginning, at the end of representation. You see somebody that's been hurt or injured, Give them this book and tell them this is a lawyer I use. You know, I don't want to give them a call. That's a great way. That's an icebreaker. It makes it so easy, right? But that's where I see most lawyers. You know, and it's I think it's the ego or it's just laziness. I'm not sure, but that's where they're losing a lot of business they could be getting, and and they just. But people don't remember. I mean, they don't. It's too fast. I mean. They might remember what you look like. They might remember where your office is, but if you moved offices, you know, they don't remember. I mean, you know, it's very seldom. I mean, maybe 20% do, but 80% don't. They just don't.
0: So uh, last question, and I've asked uh, every guest I've had on uh, this same question, a little bit of a unique twist for you because, you know, you've got this, Credible experience as a trial lawyer and selling to law firms, which is you know unique. But then you've also worked with a ton of successful law firms through Pilma. I'm curious, you know, what would be one tip that you would give other trial lawyers that you believe is part of the secret to success or an important part in terms of of the personal injury law practice and growing it based on all of that, because. It, you, you're unique and, and you've got a, a much different perspective, I think.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, I can t- I, there's two things. I know you asked for one, but I'm going to give you two because one of them really more related just to trial and others are related really to the business. But, uh, you know, my big deal was I had this side hanging over. My, Those who fail to prepare, prepare to fail. So I, I, my big deal was we look at every case like it's going to trial and work it up like that. I think you'll be very successful, in the, you know, uh, because the best trial lawyer I seen they know their case better than anybody else. The defense lawyer, the judge, the jury, they know it better than anybody else. And how do you do that? Preparation. That's it. But the other thing is the key to success in any business is focus and discipline. Focus at one thing at a time and have the discipline not to get carried off or distracted, you know, stay focused you know and, and carry it through I mean, that's yeah,
0: that, I really that's, part. That, that's increasingly difficult with the barrage of stuff that we get every day but you know it's it is incredibly important as you said to to have that be be part of your skill set if you're going to run a successful business
1: well, well think about it this way i'll leave you on this note i'd rather have one good idea that gets implemented than 20 damn good ideas that nothing ever happened. Does that make sense?
0: Amen. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're, you're preaching to the choir. That That is absolutely positively incredible advice to anybody because it really is. There's so many things you could do, but what matters is what you actually do and what you actually implement in your, in your business, whether it's the practice of law or or a company like ours. So, well, uh, I am sure that people that listen to this or watch it are are going to want to get in touch with you to to get some of this wisdom. Uh, how's the best way to, to get in touch with you? Uh, just
1: info, I-N-F-O, at uh, pilma.org. That's P-I-L-M-M-A dot O-R-G. That's really the best way to get up with me, um, you know, find out more about Pilma. Like I said, uh, as I told you, everything I do is a 100% guarantee because I just don't believe in taking people's money unless I can help them. I mean, I'm just really... so people call me crazy, but uh, it, it works for me. You know what I'm saying? And I think there's so many vendors out there hitting lawyers up all the time and they want them to sign long-term contracts and they promise them the moon but when it, but it won't put a guarantee behind it. And, and that's why I said, you know, I'll put a guarantee back, you know, I don't, why not? Cause you know, I don't want to bad publicity, you know, cause it could even be their fault, but it don't matter. Right. Cause the client's always right. So I'm good with it. Yeah. I'm good with it. I mean, I'm good. Yeah. With
0: we're, it. we're the same, you know, we don't charge a fee, for example, on our lien resolution, unless we get a, a reduction, it's, it's, we we don't we want to be additive we want to make that person's life better we certainly don't want to be a cost or expense on a file when really we can help that person net out more dollars so i completely buy into that 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 uh, methodology and and ideology well um i can thanks for for being a guest we'll link to pilma uh in the show notes and you know hopefully uh Yeah, people can, can reach out to you through that, uh, through the website or through the info email address. And, and again, get some of that, that wisdom. Thanks again for, for being a guest today. And, uh, we'll see everybody on the next episode of trial or review. All right. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to trial Law review. You can find more at trial dot com, and look for more episodes and more content coming in the future.